Tandem Nomads, episode 71. We learned along the way and we made many mistakes. We say we are always in a beta mode because there's always more improvement. <laughs> and the current website and database that you see is already a fifth, sixth iteration of what we started off with. So we've learned and we grow. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show for expat partners. Every new episode is launched twice a month on Tuesdays. You will find here great inspiration and tips to build your portable career and thrive with your family in your global nomadic life. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads. I'm your host, Anel Deregi, and our guest today is Ritu Banga. Ritu, are you ready for the ride? Right, I am. Wonderful. So Ritu Banga grew up and studied in India, where she launched her career in marketing and her consulting business before moving abroad. She and her family lived in the UK, Belgium, Hong Kong, and now in the US. While waiting for her visa and job approvals and moving from one country to another, she started volunteering with various schools and university boards. Her growing reputation and involvement in education led her to the board of the Asia University for Women Support Foundation, where she played an important role in launching the university in Bangladesh to empower young women in Asia. And today, she is the co-founder of the startup Zoom Dojo with Kara Rattray that we interviewed in a previous episode. And uh, Zoom Dojo is a career resource designed to support students and recent graduates around the world with their entry into the employment market. So, Ritu, this, I try to be very brief with your amazing story. So, is there anything I missed and what is happening in your world today? Oh, well, today I'm sitting here chatting with you, Amel, <laughs> enjoying it very much and keeping very busy with the work that we are doing at Zoom Dojo, uh, which is really working with colleges, working with nonprofits who work with students, helping them to think about careers and to use our resources, both online and offline, to launch their careers and find jobs. Uh, you know, as you know, youth unemployment is a big problem around the world. Yeah. The United States, of course, but also in Europe and Latin America. And uh, this is a problem. This is an issue that we try and solve through Zoom Dojo. This is fantastic. So I know that you're keeping very busy with that. But, I, you know, I would like to have a little bit of your back, your, your story I've mentioned in your um in your bio, the fact that you have been hustling quite a bit when you started in your journey as an expert partner, uh, moving from a country to another and figuring out, you know, your visa situations and everything. So could you tell us a little bit about what was the major challenge for you and how did, how would you summarize your experience as an expert partner? Well, it's been quite a magical ride, you know, from we moved, we left India in 1996. And I thought it's a two year transfer overseas to London and that we're going back to India after that. And so I thought that's great. You know, we'll be overseas. We'll be in Europe. A lot of fun travel, things to do, things to see. I'm going to be working there, get some overseas experience as well. And then back to my comfort zone. Uh, that never happened. We never went back. You know, my husband's career took us from London to Brussels, to London, to New York, to Hong Kong, to New York. And here we are in New York. Uh, <laughs> I've been here since 2000 and 17 years later in the U.S. and 20 years out of India. Uh, it's been quite a journey. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been, as you know, Amel, as an expat uh, partner, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you need a lot of determination and perseverance to continue with this journey as well, uh, personally and with your family, and make sure that everything works. Uh, but the upside is great. You get to travel. You meet amazing people around the world that you never imagined you would do. You see things, experience things, foods, cultures, uh, hospitality, good times, bad times. Uh, so it's been uh, it's been wonderful. Yeah, this is fantastic. So I'm I'm happy that to see you know that's so important to have this positive mindset that you have, and we know each other too. We met in New York, and I do know this about you, but I also know that you've been quite advanced in your career when you started your journey as an expat partner you've been quite successful you had your career in marketing and then started your company that was doing great how was it for you to have to give up all of that and how did you continue to build your identity despite of that it was very very strange you know you land up in a foreign country we landed up in london it's london was not a difficult uh, transfer for us you know personally you had a common language you had english uh, the indian education system was built off the british ed- education system so there was a certain sense of familiarity culturally uh, the ties between the two countries were strong so there was a certain you know knowledge and familiarity culturally about london but what changed of course was day one uh, we move into our home uh, my kids get into the school bus and go off to school my husband picks up his uh, you know briefcase and goes off to work and i'm suddenly sitting there and saying huh what just happened where, where am i going to go you know normally i was rushing around madly in the morning as well to get off to work and get my day started and you know i had a full calendar and i had things that i was doing and i was an individual uh, you know career person and here suddenly i was with nothing and uh, of course i was on a great uh, expat visa but you know working is difficult on on uh, those visas and um, also people didn't know me i had no uh, professional network uh, outside of the country where i had grown up and studied and worked for the last 13 14 years before i moved overseas so that was a very strange uh, feeling and disorienting feeling so there were all these wonderful things happening you know, on the one hand and then there was this uh, disorientation uh, career wise and personally uh, on the other hand so that was something that i suddenly realized i had never thought about and i had to address so that's how i started uh, you know my journey you've got to dig deep you've got to be resilient and you've got to be strong for yourself and you've got to think this through because you don't want to be the one person who's cribbing 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 about this and saying hey what just happened to me mm-hmm. uh, yet it did and so you've got to sort of start thinking about what am i going to do and how am i going to reimagine myself and then sort of start taking baby steps towards that So what did you what are the baby steps you took to be able to deal with this situation? Well the first thing I did was actually moving to London my visa did allow me to work there the problem there was that I knew nobody who was going to give me a job mm-hmm. and also I knew nobody who understood my educational qualifications is different mm-hmm. if you go to a foreign country on a transfer where your company knows why they're taking you there versus starting off from scratch and nobody knows where you're coming from uh, but nevertheless i started looking for jobs because i could and i did after you know 8 9 10 months there find myself a very good job in the field that i was in marketing uh, 
with a very large, well-known company. Uh, the problem that happened then was that before I could start working, we got transferred to Belgium. And uh, there was no way for me to say, I'm going to stay behind in London because they're just like a couple of hours apart. Uh, while my husband moved on to London, uh, to, uh, to Brussels, because my visa status was dependent on his, right? So there we were, we moved to, and there was not much he could do about moving to Brussels because that's where his job was moving to. So yeah. there we were. Uh, now the EU was a different matter. Uh, and I couldn't work on my expat spouse visa there. So I started thinking, but you know, by then I, I had spent a year overseas and I had realized I need to get on with doing something every day because it was not, you know, it was not, not very interesting to not be doing something every day. So I, the easiest thing for me to do was to start volunteering uh, at my children's uh, international school, which I started doing. And uh, uh, very soon I found that I'm sort of putting my hand up to get more and more involved, not just with day-to-day volunteering, but uh, to participate in policy discussions for the school and uh, to participate in bigger initiatives for the school. And very soon I got invited to join the board of trustees of that school. Uh, So that was a lot of learning for me because uh, I wasn't just, uh, you know, doing volunteer work in the library or classroom. I was doing all of those things too. But I was learning so much about education, educational policy, uh, how a different kind of organization runs, which is a school and educational nonprofit institution. And I started finding it very interesting because with my background in consulting and advertising and market research, I was so used to working with different products, uh, including with multilateral organizations and their nonprofit initiatives. So to me, this was just an extension. It was just another organizational entity in a different space that I was working with. And I found it very interesting. And then I found that that was something that I continued to stay involved with as we moved back to London. And then we came to New York. And in New York, because we have have had a long stint, I was able to get involved with a lot of different boards. Uh, The Joint Schools uh, Association in New York City, I was the president of that board. Uh, Then, of course, the Asian University for Women's Support Foundation that you mentioned in the introduction and the board of the school where my kids went uh, to high school in New York City. And so my experience in education and dealing with young people uh, as they went through their life and transitioned from school to college to career uh, kept deepening and growing. And that's what led to Zoom Dojo. Yeah, this is fascinating. This is why I really, I'm happy that you talked about your experience in volunteering because we do discuss this a lot in Tandem Nomads, how volunteering can be a great uh, bridge to lead us to this um, new career and reinvention journey and entrepreneurship. Uh, The only thing is to be clever about what we volunteer for and what are the skills we're implementing and does it make sense compared to who, what we want to develop also. So it seems like you as much learned from this experience of volunteering as you applied your existing skills. And this That's is right. What, yeah. That's right. You know, uh, I didn't have educa- experience in education as a field before I started volunteering mm-hmm. there. Uh, but I found it interesting, you know. I found it very energizing being with around young people and thinking about... Uh, policy and initiatives that would make a real difference, a positive difference to 
uh, their lives through education and through the pathways they followed after that. It resonated with me, you know, that, that kind of work. And so volunteering is important. I think you can volunteer in a lot of areas. Uh, I mean, who knows what else I might have volunteered at. This was just a low-hanging fruit that was easy for me to access at that point of time. And uh, so, yes, I think volunteering is very important for spouses who are moving from location to location, especially country to country with their, uh, you know, with the working partner and the family at that point of time, because it allows you to be in a professional environment and to really apply in a valuable, uh, constructive manner, the skill sets that you have built up so far. Because, uh, you know, a very large proportion of uh, tandem spouses to use your company's name, mm-hmm. uh, are very educated and very experienced, you know, in their own way. And so it's a pity for the world to have that cross-cultural experience just go to waste. And it's a pity for the individual as well. It's a pity for the family as well. So I think everybody benefits uh, from the spouse, the tandem spouse, the nomadic spouse, stepping up, stepping out, getting involved with something. And then if that resonates with him or her, following that passion and seeing how they can build upon it. Yeah. I love that you brought up that word passion because that's a big important factor to succeed at it because the journey is not easy. You need to really want this. The journey is not easy because you know you have to build your networks along the way. You have to find people you enjoy working with along the way. You have to find an organization uh, whose mission and uh, energy and resources, you know, sort of gel in with your own. And then... Perhaps you have to evolve forward from that and do something that's really meaningful to you. I mean, Zoom Dojo, in a way, now looks like a very natural extension, but it's a technology company. And neither neither of us, my partner Carol or I, have a background in technology. So we took what we were doing and we saw a gap that really needed to be addressed, which is careers and employment. Uh, But we chose to deliver it not just uh, with a personalized delivery system. We do that as well, but uh, with a very wide-ranging technology uh, platform, which is very different to what we had ever done before. Yeah, this is fascinating. Actually, I would like to know, how did you move from being volunteering in the educational world to today building this startup that's based on technology, knowing that you have no background in technology. So how did you make that happen? So, well, we were not just, I was not just volunteering. I started with volunteering and I moved on into positions on boards. So I was really in the leadership, uh, you know, in the leadership category of several educational uh, initiatives. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at how organizations are built and I was looking at how organizations uh, can be steered and nurtured and developed and grown. So we were already, I was already and Carol was already uh, in the space of leading organizations and having a vision for the future of those organizations and also bringing a considerable amount of our philanthropic resources in supporting those organizations. Uh, What we saw was that the bigger the reach of the organization, uh, the greater the global impact, obviously, of that organization, which is not to say that you don't have organizations which are very focused on certain communities and certain very focused needs, because those are also very, very important. But uh, 
we saw a huge global problem and we wanted to see how much we could impact it everywhere. And that was just what made us very excited. So to reach people around the world, uh, you know, we saw that technology reaches them best because then you put stuff out there and people can come to you from everywhere. And so you really leverage the power of technology to amplify the work that you're doing. So we decided, we decided one-on-one work is very valuable, but that's not what we want to do because then we will reach very few people and we want to reach a lot of people. The only way to reach a lot of people is to have a technology platform. So we better learn how to uh, imagine technology and manage technology and manage the people who create the technology for us and go with that. This is amazing. I would love to dig into the technology part because this is one of the messages that I really want to share with Nomad Nation is that we need to embrace technology if you want to be make an impact. But before we go into that, um, I think one of the things that you've said that caught my attention is the word vision. And I know that in entrepreneurship, a successful entrepreneurship venture starts with a big vision. And I really wanted to thank you for bringing that up, that you did have that vision that today you're applying in your business. And that's the, the one that's guiding you in your day-to-day life, right? Yes. Well, our vision is to make a significant impact on youth employment mm-hmm. uh, because youth unemployment is a big social problem around the world. It's a personal problem for the person who's unemployed. It's a personal problem for the family of that person. It is a social problem for the countries uh, where this unemployment level exists. And that's many, many, many countries around the world, including the United States, where we look at high, you know, overall uh, unemployment may be low, but youth unemployment is higher than that. And in uh, lower socioeconomic uh, communities, it's even higher. You look at Europe, there are many countries with double-digit youth unemployment figures. It's not good. It's a wasted effort on the, the, you know, for society. Mm. And it's very demoralizing for young people and therefore for society. So we, this, this is our vision. Our vision is we enjoy seeing young people succeed. You know, that's what has made us very involved in philanthropy with educational institutions and youth initiatives. We really, it, it makes our hearts sing when we see young people succeed. Mm-hmm. And so our vision is to really try and do something to reduce youth unemployment. This is so important. I think in order to succeed in, in business, we need to have that vision. So whoever is trying to build a business, I think it's very important to ask themselves the question, what is that thing that makes their heart sing, like you say? Yeah. What is that thing that will keep them going? Because as we, you mentioned and we mentioned before, it is not easy. So if you don't have the passion and the vision basically is the passion of a business, what drives that business? Uh, and we'll keep it move forward despite the ups and downs of, right. of building that business. And, you know, we are not just doing it with technology. Uh, yeah. We are really uh, attacking this issue uh, or trying to deliver on this issue uh, using both technology and highly personalized delivery. So high tech and high touch, if you want to call it that. Cool. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> so, uh, alongside the technology resource that we have created and where we invest a lot of our time and resources, uh, we also do a lot of work on college campuses mm. with student organizations, large student organizations, with the college itself, with professors, 
we go and teach classes uh which really sort of talk about leadership uh entrepreneurship uh, women in business women in entrepreneurship uh career paths you know what a career path looks like uh over a lifetime or over several decades uh so we teach classes around that with professors uh we help students organize conferences with uh, you know themes which really end up being career themes though they don't uh, overtly look like that so you really explore different areas uh through different perspectives we hold workshops with non-profit organizations where we try and train the mentors so that they can better work with their students in helping them think about uh the pathway from school to college to career we work with uh uh you know career offices and colleges so we try and do uh, we really try and put ourselves out there trying to uh, bring our experience our knowledge uh, to different uh, student organizations campuses nonprofit groups it's fantastic yeah i love that you did i, I really like that quote you said high tech and high touch <laughs> i think any technology needs to have humanity behind it the yes, point is really that we benefit from yeah. it too you know we yeah. get the energy from the students we also learn from them that what are the issues facing them currently mm. uh, yeah. you know where does our thinking differ from theirs and you know Uh, we yeah. get good inputs from them. Too. Yeah, listening is a big part of of doing a business. Uh, I do insist a lot on that. Um, asking for feedback, doing surveys, to really grasp the needs of a market. Right. That's right, and those are also the inputs that help me to continue growing. You yeah. know, because uh, those sort of that's a feedback loop that comes back to me and makes me think about. You know, did I really address that correctly? Mm-hmm. what more do i need to do what more do i need to learn you know how do i need to approach this differently or better so fantastic i i get you know i personally grow from those interactions too yeah so so this is tell us still how did you manage to make your company a technology company when you had zero technology knowledge and background when you started you know we are in a good spot for technology just this interview that we are doing <laughs> uh, it's being enabled through a resource that probably didn't exist uh at this level a few years ago and it's most likely very low cost or free so you know through the cloud uh you we have very low cost storage and uh, for our databases and the website you know we don't have to invest in huge machines which then get outdated somebody else is doing that for us and we pay very little to access it mm. similarly there's a lot of open source software upon which we can build many parts of our uh, technology resource and uh, communication is cheap you know uh, creating an online presence uh, it's not that expensive somebody else is doing all the heavy lifting there we leverage those resources and then we focus our big expenditure on technology really on uh, things which are unique to us which are our intellectual and physical property in the mm-hmm. in the digital world mm-hmm. and uh, for that uh, in the beginning we outsourced uh, a lot of the work now we hire uh, in house and uh, we learned along the way and we made many mistakes we say we are always in a beta mode because there's always more improvement <laughs> and the current website and database that you see is already a fifth sixth iteration of what we started off with which was a very sketchy lousy looking product and 
our kids really roll their eyes and said, seriously, you're not in public with that. It's really bad for you if you do that. So, so we've learned. We make, we make mistakes and we learn and we grow and uh, we read and, uh, you know, we experiment and we discard. And yeah, I think you're the illustration, the great illustration of one of the quotes that I, I always say, you know, start first and perfect later. So I think the learning process is about just do it. Do it and then improve later and keep improving, like you said. Perfection is good, but perfection can also be uh, the enemy of the good. You know, you, in your quest for perfection, you may never do that good stuff because you'll always say, I, I'm not perfect yet. And especially uh, not just in technology, but in most fields, uh, the playing field keeps changing. So you, if you keep aiming for perfection in today's playing field, you won't notice that the playing field itself is changing and moving. Exactly. And you've got to skate towards where the puck is going to be, not where the puck is right now, you know, to use a nice ho hockey analogy. So mm. it keeps moving, right? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, but what would you advise to those who have, who need to learn about technology, where to start and how to do it when we have no knowledge about it? Mm, how? <laughs> that's a good question. I what did you do to start and learn about it? What did you implement? We started talking to a lot of people we knew uh, who, are, who have small technology businesses and big ones. And to say, you know, we want to do this. And uh, what's involved? And people would talk to us and say, well, you need to get a URL. And you'd say, URL? What's a URL? Don't know what a URL is. How are you going to do this? Mm -hmm. Well, we've come to you to learn what is a URL. And so then uh, I would come back, Carol and I would come back and we'd quickly research what is a URL. <laughs> and then we'd realize a URL is nothing except www.zoomdojo.com. <laughs> but how do you get zoomdojo.com? You have to buy a domain name. Then we'd sort of research and say, what's a domain name and where do you buy it? And then you'd find the few domain name repositories and sellers of domain names. And then you'd go and sort of buy that domain name. And then when you went there, you'd see, I can buy it as a .com, as a .net, as a .org, as a .us. What do I want? Do I want them all? Do I want them one? And that would make us think about what is it that we want to do going forward. So suddenly you find that you have three or four of those building blocks just with the conversations and the research that you're doing. And as you said, actually jumping in and taking the first step, that was the most difficult thing, actually. It was not so difficult finding the domain name seller, but clicking buy, <laughs> make this purchase and putting in your credit card details, that was actually jumping off the cliff because now we were making a commitment. But once you start jumping off the cliff, you find it's easier to jump off the next cliff. You know, then you say, well, uh, how much does it cost to set up a website? And people would give us lots of different advice. But finally, we found a consensus approach from people who didn't work for large corporations, but for smaller companies saying there's a lot of open source resources out there, basis which you can build a website. You know, Google has resources, Apple has resources, then there's things like Drupal and WordPress and Joomla and, you know, so on and so forth. There's a lot of stuff out there. So we started looking at these and looking at websites based upon different 
our resources. And then we chose a resource that seemed to match what we were trying to do. And we built our uh, platform on that. Yeah. So we want I, to learn and listen and, you know. That's really interesting because well, if I had to summarize a little bit the process of adopting technology, and I love when you said, you know, it, it basically starts with asking questions, you yes. know, and then step-by-step, uh, step, ask more questions, get the first step answered, and then once you figure that out, move on to the second step and ask yes. more questions. That's and that is how we learn, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is really great. You just simplify the process. <laughs> just start yeah. somewhere. You know, you can also join a coding academy. You can join, uh, you know, you can take a curriculum on it. There's a lot of online courses. Uh, you could sign up for those and I, I'm sure get some, you know, quick, uh, in a few weeks, learn quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of modules. I'm sure if you say learning about technology courses or curriculum, you'll find uh, many of those. Uh, but, you know, you start finding as you go along that even your engineers, they're always learning. It's not as though they went to college or graduate school and learned everything. You know, life is always changing around you. This is not uh, a manufacturing process that's been written in stone. Uh, this is not somebody making baby food or a car or something where the processes are very fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a field where there's a lot of fluidity and iterations going on all the time because there's always new developments happening and there's very few right ways or wrong ways of doing things. There are multiple paths that you could choose, mm -hmm. which is confusing too. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's easier to have a single right way or wrong way, you know. It's true. It's true. And I like the fact that you did mention the fact that the technology evolves all the time. So we have to stay aware and, and, um, and yes. awake yes. In, in keeping our eyes and ears open with the evolvements. That's right. Yeah. If I give just the that example of, of the, fun, so, you know? that makes it fun. It's never a dull moment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I just give the example of the podcast. I know that my tools have changed from beginning. I used to use Skype and, mm -hmm. and then ask people a question, how do you record a Skype interview? And then got the software for that and then improved my, my software and moved to another yeah. one that's called Zoom now. So, yeah. um, so the, it should, a business should never be written on stone and and start being with technology or anything else with the services we provide. I think it, it has, we have to learn to be able to evolve with it. And it's the vision that keeps us, uh, I get, you know, uh, aligned in a way, but the rest around it should be able to evolve. So that's like what we are talking about ourselves as individuals. We can't be static. We want to keep it evolving too, as human beings, as people. Yeah. Uh, as you know, and what keeps us grounded is our values. And as, as long as we know that, we That's can change right. and evolve. Our mission or our values or our yeah. vision, you know, those are the things that keep us grounded. This is fantastic. So could you give us a little bit of um, what are the tools you would recommend uh, that you find really useful to any entrepreneur who wants to start a business? Any online tool you would recommend? Um. Well, the first thing I would uh, say has been very valuable to me in starting a business is to have a partner and co-founder because that gives you a ready-made team. It gives you somebody to bounce ideas off. Uh, it gives you somebody to sort of, you know, uh, really use as a touchstone. 
And if your co-founder or partner has complementary skills and experiences to you, then, you know, you both bring a lot of uh, different attributes to the table, which are very helpful. It's also helpful when going out and talking to people, when they see that there's two of you with uh, different complementary skills, there's suddenly, you know, that much more confidence in uh, engaging with you uh, as an entrepreneurial setup or as an organization. So that's not online, but uh, that's something that uh, we found very useful. Uh, Online, uh, you know, uh, Google has been, Google for Business has been very, very valuable to us because it gives you your entire uh, sort of, uh, what should I call it? File file storage and communication platform, right? So you can use Google Drive for a lot of things. You can use the email, of course, and you can use it as a collaboration tool. And so that's obviously, that's a well-known resource, but it's a very powerful resource. It's called the Google Suite, right? uh, It's called the Google Suite or or Google Apps for Business. I'm not quite sure what they call it. Uh, You know, online repositories like box.com or Dropbox, really useful to store large amounts of data and to uh, sort of share information, whether it's videos or files or whatever, pictures, images with other people. Uh, You know, you have things like Zoom, you have things like TeamViewer, where you can collaborate across desktops uh, in different countries and see what's happening. Uh, You have have, uh, software platforms like WordPress.com, which is very powerful, Drupal.org, which is very powerful, uh, which help you to really build product out. Uh, very easily. And uh, what else? You have uh, Google Analytics, which lets you check what's happening, who's coming to you from where, what are they looking at, why are they not looking at stuff. Statistics Uh, on the visitors on websites. And then, you know, there's, uh, it's an ever-changing set of names, but there's a lot of uh, applications which you can use to see how fast is my website loading, on a phone, an iPhone, an Android phone, a tablet, different search engines, which let you optimize. So there's so many tools that you can access. And for a very, very small business, you really don't need the, the sort of uh, premier, premier packages. A lot of these packages are for free or quite cheap. Yeah. So There's a lot of tools out there and I'm so happy. You mentioned so many of them. They're really valuable. So I'm going to put them on the webpage of this episode and Nomad Nation, please go check them out because I think that half of them I have used and I can tell you it's really useful. It makes just the business so much smoother and it's amazing. You can own a whole big company in one computer, basically. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Actually, someone was telling me the other day that uh, when Amazon Prime started and they started getting this these floods of orders uh, they actually managed to quite a large size just on excel spreadsheets mm-hmm. and then they went and created uh, an internal data you know tech data product to manage it yeah. so microsoft office that whole suite it's a very powerful suite you can do a lot with it yeah yeah it's amazing accounting with it and you can do uh, your presentations with it and you can make a PowerPoint that looks like you spent $100,000 and it just comes out of uh, the PowerPoint. 
Yeah, it's it's fascinating. That's it's really yeah. fascinating. I'm just I think that there's so much we can do, and and I really urge everyone to really start. If it's not already the case, if you're thinking of starting your business, think of the tools that are out there that can help you make it much easier. But like you said at the beginning, just start somewhere, and then just step. Just jump start off, somewhere. Jump off that cliff. <laughs> exactly. So That's is there so difficult? <laughs> Sorry, could you repeat that? Uh, jump off the cliff. Yeah, exactly. Jump off the cliff. Just do it. So what? If, just before we say goodbye, what would be your biggest advice to any global nomad or expert partner who wants to build a portable business? What would be your message to them? My message uh, would be just looking at what uh, I've done. The first thing is uh, to, to sort of be positive about the situation that you find yourself in as a tandem nomad, as an expat partner. You know, don't feel overwhelmed. You know, look inside you and find that perseverance and resilience, that internal strength that you have, because you do have it. And once you sort of know that I'm I'm going to continue with my life, it may not be the same life that I had earlier, but it's very exciting in different ways. And there's this one gap, which is my career gap, which I face. So how am I going to address it? And uh, once you start doing that, then look around you and see what is it that you could do and what is it that you find interesting from that list of options that you could do. A lot of us, I mean, just by the nature of the term of being a tandem nomad, an expat spouse, we have connections to a lot of other countries around the world, right? Where we come from, where we grew up, where we have lived. And maybe there's something that we could do in our current location related to those countries. Because especially nowadays, people are so interested in cultures of other countries and traveling to other countries and the cuisines from other countries and the products of other countries in uh, what's happening in those countries. I mean, maybe there's something that you could do between those countries uh, that could uh, create a business. Maybe you could do something to help people from those countries coming into your current residence country to settle down, start businesses, go to school, make friends, who knows, you know, Uh, volunteer organizations related to those communities. Maybe there's something there where you could provide a service. Uh, So look at what you could do uh, either related to your previous professional background or any organizations you're currently involved with or countries that you have lived in where you have uh, good connections and knowledge to and knowledge of and then see what you find interesting. Yeah. And we saw in yeah, and we saw in your story how that can lead to entrepreneurship. Uh, yes. how that path can lead to, to yes. building your own business. Yes. Uh, which is amazing. So is there any advice you would share with for for anyone who wants to build a portable, uh, a portable uh, business or, and become an entrepreneur? What does it take according to you to succeed? Well, at? it it definitely takes uh, some sort of uh, legal structure. So you would need to understand the laws of the country that you're in and how to set up a business over there. Uh, Luckily, legal input is also available quite cheaply online if you want to go that route. Uh, You know, there's so many different uh, online legal uh, resources where you could set up a little entity. 
Uh, it also depends upon uh, the law, the rules around your presence in that country, whether you're allowed to do this or not in that country. I mean, that's a very important starting point. None of mm -hmm. us are in a situation where we want to be on the wrong side of the law on that. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, you definitely need some accounting around that business. So you need to have some accounting uh, help, you know, either a small accounting firm that you find or something that, you know, software that you have online that could help you deal with that accounting because you do have to pay your taxes if you are a business entity. Even if you're declaring losses, you still have to file those taxes. Uh, so I would say start with one. Uh, there's two strands, really. You know, one is the idea that you have about what you want to do. And second is the, the nuts and bolts of the legal uh, and the accounting process, because that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. You know, without that, uh, you can run into a lot of trouble. Yeah. And then third, you find the resources to help you actually set up what you're doing. So the online resources we talked about already, if you want to create a website. Now, if you want to create, say, an e-commerce website, there are other online resources which are quite cheap, which you could use to set up very quickly a virtual store. And then you could, you know, put things into it. Mm, if you want to set up an advisory business, then, you know, a small website and some way for people to contact you. So if you want to uh, set up a shop or you want to set up a physical presence, then, you know, maybe pop-up shops uh, or Christmas fairs or other fairs where you could go and start farmers markets. It just depends upon what you're doing, Yeah, you know, and, and definitely keep networking all the time. Keep meeting new people, making new friends. Networking isn't that thing. Networking sounds like such a big word. It's just going out there and making friends, getting to know new people. And asking questions. And asking questions. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That was a lot of great advice, Ritu. Thank you so much. And to, tell us real briefly, what is the next step for Zoom Dojo? What are you working on? Well, uh, we set different goals for Zoom Dojo each year. And uh, of course, the over, overriding goal is to keep growing our database and having more jobs and internships available for students and getting more and more people from around the world to come to our site and use our resources. But, you know, one year our goal was to onboard all our engineering. Another year our goal was to grow the database. This year it's really to get the word out there that we exist and uh, what is it that we do. So we want to increase our social media presence. We want to increase uh, awareness of Zoom Dojo through different routes, uh, you know, maybe uh, more marketing through, uh, you know, partnerships and campuses and partnerships with other nonprofits. So we are really pushing on that area this year. Fantastic. I can't wait to see you grow Zoom Dojo with Carol. And it's really fascinating to follow your journey. And Nomad Nation, if you're interested and have your own kids or yourself looking for a job across the world and some guidance, go to zoomdojo.com, right? That's right. Thank you so much. For the <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, where can we find you, Ritu? What's the best way to find you? The best way to find me is, uh, well, through the website. Go to zoomdojo.com and uh, there's a forum there and there's a contact us page there. Uh, if somebody writes to us, we always reply very quickly. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, we'd be very happy to get in touch with you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ritu. That was such a pleasure to do this with you. Thanks for sharing your experience with us. Thank you for having me, Amel. 
Nomad Nation. I hope that you found the great insights of our guest today really useful to you. I would love to actually hear about what you think about it. So leave your comment in the webpage of this episode. And I hope to meet you at the next one. So stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.